0: No purchase necessary. Void we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. And I'm Michael McMullen. And, uh, you know, people make all this fuss about the Graham Norton show, Jonathan Ross, all these great chat shows. You know, we get to hear from Tom Hanks, we get to hear from Meryl Streep. But one person they've never had on, these, these so-called stars, is Dave Tyndall. And this is the week where friend of the podcast, Dave Tyndall. He's on. Dave, welcome.
2: Thank you. I, I've still no idea what I'm doing on here, but hello, everybody. <laughs> well, that
1: makes three of us then. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, Dave kept us entertained, has kept us entertained for much of the last year with his various emails, his torments he's played on his own table. And I said a couple of months ago, rather recklessly, he's going to come on. And here we are. The day's come. But so, Dave, who is Dave Tyndall? A lot of people, I'm sure, have been wondering that. Who is Dave Tyndall, and what <laughs> is your what is your sort of snooker background?
2: Um, So I'm a very much a snooker child of the 80s. Um, It was my, you know, best sport easily. Well, that and football, but snooker, you know, that was kind of my specialist subject. If I'd been invited on Masterminds as an an 11-year-old, that would have been (laughs) my chosen area. Um, And, yeah, I I was probably like a lot of people. I was mad mad for it in the 1980s, couldn't get enough of it. I've obviously watched Gods of Snooker which has has been great Um, and then probably like other people as well, I drifted away from the game a lot um, until I don't know, lockdown sort of sparked it up again which is a bit odd. People have said maybe in lockdown, lockdown one that is, you go back to a sort of safe place where things were happier and simpler as a child So it was partly that. It was also fueled by, I'm a sports journalist. I write about sport, funnily enough. And sport stopped, didn't it? Which was not ideal for my profession. So I thought, oh my God, what what on earth am I going to do? So I was a bit worried about the old noggin kind of thing. And I thought, I've got hours on end of doing nothing. So I I decided to buy a, a six by three and really go back to, the early 80s. And then, obviously, the next thing you do is start buying Steve Davis wigs and recreating tournaments. Natural progression.
1: It is an yeah, absolutely natural progression. And when you were uh, when you were young following snooker, who would be your sort of favourite players of that time?
2: Absolutely, Steve Davis. Right. Absolutely. I, I kind of... My journey, again, like a lot of people, would have been pot black. So I've got pot black um, as the way in, as my gateway into snooker. Um, and then I must have, I have no recollection of Steve Davis in 1980 at all. So I've no idea that he'd won specific tournaments, but I just had this sense that this new kid on the block and I'd been maybe seeing Fred Davis and stuff. They were uh, all these kind of ancient players that I, I hadn't grown up with. And then Steve comes along and, right, he's going to be my kind of hero. And he was for a, a number of years. Um And I love him now still.
3: Dave, I've got to ask you, I'm intrigued by this whole business of these sort of make-believe tournaments, because I used to play these as well, you know, as a child. And I used to find myself, without ever really intending to, slipping into the sort of styles and mannerisms of the players I was, I suppose, pretending to be. So, you know, say if I was pretending to be Alex Higgins, but I'd have the whole sort of wild mannerisms and... uh, that sort of jabby cue action at times. Steve Davis obviously would be a lot more textbook. Did you did you find yourself when you were playing all these tournaments slipping into that?
2: Yeah, because I was I was commentating in my head as well. So oh, I'd wow. be I'd have Len Ganley's voice in my head. Um 16, 17 and all this kind of stuff as, as they built breaks. And yeah, Alex again, I think as well you kind of, when you kind of mimic somebody, sometimes you mimic the mimics. So I used to sort of mimic how John Berger used to mimic them. So with Alex Singers, I'd be sort of shuffling around the table, tapping it with the side of my cue, sniffing, long sniffs for sort of John Spencer, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, yeah. you do that,
3: yeah. And did you play at the speed of players? Like, say, for example, you know, when I was a, a kid back in the 80s doing this, if I was playing as Tony Drago, for example, I would just find myself, without even saying, right, I'm playing Tony as Tony Drago, so I have to be really quick, i just find myself doing it. And then with someone else, like Cliff Thorburn, I'd find myself taking more time over every shot. So, was yeah. that something you, you did as well, that you, you would play at the same sort of pace yeah, as the players you were being?
2: Definitely. And then, obviously, I have food to eat, and I have to sleep. So... You know, if, if I was if I was looking on my sort of list who I'm going to be, if I was seeing like Terry Griffiths versus Eddie Chart, my heart would sort of drop because <laughs> <laughs> this is going to take ages, and I'm going to be authentic about it.
1: What we need is a sort of uh, snooker stars in their eyes. So you come out, you're given a player. So you're tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Cliff Thorburn. Oh no, anyway. We're not just chatting randomly here because we are, we are. Dave has brought his diaries with him. Now, uh, you kept a diary when you were young. How, how many years did you keep these diaries for?
2: Um, I kept them from well. I don't want to give away some of the answers. Okay, for, but when you were, the I 80s, guess it's going Yeah, it's, the it's, it's, um, Towards the end of the eighties, it's noticeable that my uh, snooker entries are dropping off as going to see bands and girls' names are appearing. (laughs) So I decided to to start leading a life a little bit more.
1: And you also told me just before we started that uh, about going to the Crucible. It it seemed you sort of went even when you'd lost interest, which is interesting in
2: itself. Yeah, I think I've been, is it five times now? It's the first time I went as this absolutely mad interested kid and it was the most exciting day of my life, I think. Um, I won't tell you the year because that's one of the quiz questions. Then... I, I used to work for the Sporting Life, mm. um, the, the website, and I went to see the Matthew Stevens-Mark uh, Williams final mm. um, and got to sit in the press seats. 2000, is that right for that? We would have been I, there. I was
3: I was probably, yeah, yeah. We, we were there. and I, I mean, I, unlike most journalists, Dave, I actually like to get in and sit in the press seats. So it's entirely possible we sat next to each other <laughs> 21 years ago. Yeah. It's, like yeah. it's like lost, like lost.
2: Yeah. I was sat there, kind of being engulfed with imposter syndrome, thinking, "What am I doing here?" Much and like to today. Some...
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. It's a familiar. Don't worry, Dave.
3: Yeah. That never wears off.
2: Yeah. Um, and then I remember going to the press conference afterwards, and because we were sporting life, I think we had a betting question for Mark Williams to say, because I think a lot of his mates had backed him. William Hill always used to do this thing where you could back. Yeah, Mark Williams' dad could have backed him when he was five to win the world, mm. and um, and, and we asked him, and it, it was me and another lad, and he just so sort of went, "Oh yeah, that's right, yeah, we did." And I was like, "Is, is that it? Are you <laughs> gonna
3: save it more?" And there was there did. was a lad, it was a lad from his club, wasn't it? I think his name was Kevin, and he put right. hundred and forty pounds, which I think was a week's wages. Kevin Bone on Mark Williams. Kevin Bone. That was him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and he, like, and, and I think as well that was the last year. So Mark would have been what twenty four then. So I think it, it was it, if he didn't win it that year, then the bet was gone. So even the fact that obviously he's won it two more times since then, he wouldn't have collected. But I think they ended up meeting each other, Mark and Kevin, and there was some sort of photo taken with the two of them together. Mm.
2: Uh, I, yeah, I, I just remember him being so sort of cool about it at the time, and that I've never quite worked. Mark Williams out whether I like him I know everyone loves him because he's laid back. I I sort of can't quite get a grasp on him really can't that's
1: how he likes it though that's exactly how he likes it because and and it it, it extends to people playing him you can't get under his skin you can't you can't work him out actually and that's exactly how he likes it you went there this year as well to the Crucible
2: I went there this year as well and the other the other time I went was 2015 I, I used to Um, worked for William Hill Radio alongside Ian McCulloch Wow (laughs) um, Former (laughs)
3: semi-finalist
2: Yeah, well when someone said to me, oh Ian McCulloch comes on that (laughs) that was a first thought because by 2015 my snooker knowledge was appalling, so I didn't know who he was Um, I just had no, didn't mean a thing so I I was, you know, had this been in the 80s, I would have been sat there like a complete fanboy, just amazed and probably not able to speak. But, you know, I got to know Ian. He's a great, he's a great bloke, a really great bloke. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, he, um, he arranged and gave me a backstage tour of the Crucible with my son. Mm-hmm. Um, when my son was nine, I mean, I was clearly the more thrilled because we met John Parrott and Dennis Taylor. And yeah, But but at the time, I was like, That was peak imposter syndrome because I didn't know anybody was. So so when I found the Snooker Scene podcast, I thought, I'm going to try and relearn everything and see if I can sort of get up to speed. I remember listening, and I worked my way through the back catalogue. I remember listening to to one you, Dave and Michael, did about the best 10 players of all time. And you had Neil Robertson in there, and you didn't have Alex Higgins, and that at the time blew my mind. I thought, what are they on about? Mm-hmm. But obviously now, I had no concept of Neil's, like, 100 centuries in a season. You know, to me, I knew he'd won it once. Higgins had won it twice and was this amazing. So I couldn't... And then I think you, Dave said, oh, you said, oh, you wouldn't even be in the top 15 or 20. I guess you were going yeah. on, on actual, you know ability and or actual, you know, their best game that they had. And you know, things have moved on obviously since then. But at the time,
3: yeah, I had no idea. Well it's like well, you expecting to see Jackie Ray in there and Kingsley Kennerly <laughs> yeah. and all these people?
2: Well then then the other thing the other thing is um I um, used to go my local uh this has come up the Snook Centre is the Northern Snook Center in Leeds, which is one of the best around I used yeah. to play there with a mate and he'd be nudging me saying that's Peter Lyons I, I was I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, he's just qualified, hasn't he, today? He has, yes.
1: Q School, uh, Peter Lines, uh, I think Jackson Page, Wansige Jun, Fraser Patrick have all made it through. It's like, to use an inappropriate metaphor, and why not? It's only a podcast. It's like you've woken from a snooker coma.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Suddenly, Almost, you got, yeah. yeah.
3: It, it's yeah. a bit like there the, 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 the was a friend of mine who uh, was obsessed with Live Aid and so when Live 8 came around, he took the day off work to watch it. And he was absolutely crestfallen that it was actually contemporary artists. <laughs> I think he was expecting, you know, that it would still all be, you know, The Who and, uh, you know, Dar Strait's performing with Sting. I don't think he was even ruling out an appearance for Freddie Mercury. And uh, and then, you know, people like Joss Stone and, you know, I don't know, The Killers and, or all these people appeared on it. He, he just couldn't believe it. So very similar to your experience. But you're not alone, you know, because I I know of one prominent player who did a piece, now it is about 20 years ago now, but it was still a bit daft then, where he was asked to name his top 10 players of all time. And he put Alex at number one. It was astonishing.
1: Well, let's stay in the 80s, because as I say, Dave kept a diary Mm. as a boy. Now, what he's going to do is he's going (laughs) to read an entry. He's going to read several entries, but he's going to read an entry, not going to tell us the date. And we've got to try and work out the date from the reference so it won't, probably won't just be snooker in there there'll be other clues and if this is successful ITV will do this as a game show and I'm going to register the copyright okay but so we're going to take it in turns Michael can go first first guess to him if he doesn't get it right it passes to me there's no points when we're, we're not lunatics but there's, there's no points uh, and there's no point exactly we're just fooling around on yeah. the podcast so ladies and gentlemen Dave Tindall reads from his own diaries excerpt number <laughs> one excerpt number one Dave
3: hit me hit me Dave hit me <laughs>
2: You uh, you making me feel like Alan Bennett here? <laughs> the the, the coloured balls would fascinate you sound me. sound a bit like town. them, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Man would give me a shilling to catch the bus to Leeds. <laughs> that, that's not part of it. So the, the first I, I is feel like the, I'm in an
3: episode of the trip now. The trip <laughs> to Sheffield. Let's,
2: let's yeah. all calm
1: down. It's a hot day. Let's all calm yeah. down. As, as once again, yeah. as once again, Dave yeah. Tindall reads yeah. from his diaries.
2: I will Come not lapse. I will not lapse into Bennett, which is a problem I have. Is it you first, Dave?
1: I I think well, just, yeah, okay, me first. Go okay, on. yeah. By the way, I won't know the answers,
2: <laughs> right? Because my memory's Sorry, not good. Are you guessing the year or, or the month? When I, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll oh, try listen, to, Dave.
3: Yeah, yeah. We're going to attempt to name you the actual date if we yeah. can. Yeah, yeah. That's big talk. But let's yeah. see what happens. Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, so this one, um, Steve Davis beat Terry Griffiths nine seven in the Yamaha snooker. <laughs> Davis had 135 in the last frame. Now the, the clues, the added clues here are: every Tuesday that month, I've written pop blacks on the telly. Um, on the 17th of that month, Liverpool got knocked out of the European Cup by CSKA Sofia. Yeah, Sophia. yeah. Uh, I sent off a snooker scene magazine. There you go. So my history with this uh, venture is a long lasting. And also that a bomb scare at school went to Whitehaven and bought some new snooker balls. I don't know whether that was some sort of delayed panic, but that's what I did. Well, <laughs> I think... So it's clearly... It's pre-British Open,
1: because I think the Yamaha was the sort of forerunner. So it's pre-1985. I think it was that same sort of slot. So it's sort of February, March time. So I'm going to say... I'm going to guess, and it is a guess, 1984. Uh, sort of no. fe- Late February 1984.
2: D- 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 I don't does Michael... Does Michael buzz in and take your point? Here?
3: Well, yeah. Well. I, well, I thought on you, but, but then you confirmed it with the CSKA Sophia thing. So um, I think they were known as CSKA Red Flag in those days. But anyway, that's another matter. Was it 1982? It was. Yeah.
2: Well done. March 1 0 19- to Ireland. So the, the final was, yeah, Davis beat Griffiths in the Yamaha. i got Masters. the right sort of time
1: of the year. I've got the right
2: time of the yeah. year. you the right <laughs>
1: decade. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right. Anyway. Right. right. So, I, so I get
3: first dibs at this one. Okay. Very good.
2: Yeah. Or you lead by a point. I know how you do it. Um, right. Michael, Steve Davis won yep. the Tenants UK Championship by beating Neil Fold 16-7 oh. <laughs> in the final. Uh, also, so. th- also that week, I went to Whitehaven yeah. and bought "Bizarre Love Triangle" by New Order. Fantastic! I went <laughs> to Stratford on a school trip, saw Macbeth, brackets disappointing, bought <laughs> the one in the of Shakespeare. Didn't... Did you talk to him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bought bought New Order t shirt and "Back in the DHSS" by Half Man Half Biscuit. So they're my culture. Well, I've got to
3: say, yeah, I've got to say two things here. W- something you said there amazingly, it came to light this week. Uh, Maybe everyone knew this, but I didn't know this. Apparently, the first man in the world to receive one of the vaccines was called William Shakespeare. Yeah, well, he just died last week. He 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 just died. He passed away, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I'm I'm, I'm really going to go for it here because I think I know the exact date you're referring to. (laughs) I think it was the 30th of November, 1986.
2: Uh, Extraordinary. This is like... Yeah. Rain Man, incredible. <laughs> oh,
1: listen! You don't know that you don't know the half of it. Okay, so that's two, that's two nil. I did know it was 1986, but anyway, I wasn't my first. Well,
3: you know, you got to know them at the right time, you know. Yeah, right. So two nil, two nil, <laughs> two nil. Yeah, right. Dave what's, what's this up to, by the way? Did we just play all night till someone falls um, asleep?
2: Or? I've got seven of these, so we're two in. Okay. Oh, um,
3: okay. That's good. This will be this
2: will be
1: a John Parrott, Jimmy White first session. This will be anyway continue
2: um yeah um okay Silvino Francisco won the Dulux Dulux British Open beating Kirk Stevens 12-8 on that same day I listened to my Sade tape Um, (laughs) you've always been a
3: smooth operator Dave.
2: oh yes (laughs) open goal and he's taking it um two days later (laughs) Snooker Scene magazine arrived there we go again um a few days later, Liverpool lost to Spurs at Anfield for the first time in, 90, in seventy-three years, score nil-one. Brackets Garth Crooks. <laughs> a day later, two days later, watch the young ones.
1: Oh, this is. This is if you, if we just put out an hour of someone saying the eighties. This is a, effectively what this is, isn't mm. it? Fantastic. Mm, yeah. Um, well, it's nineteen eighty-five. Uh, Because that's I, I think. I can give you the date. Hang on, it's not your question, Mr. Mister. I know. No, I'm, I'm just letting you know if you want to. Now, I think the final was actually 12 9, uh, not yeah, 12
2: I think you're right. Yeah. I don't want yes, corre- to right. correct. No, what did I say? 12 8. Uh, that's just my eyesight. 12 9, you're correct.
1: Well, it's that same slot. It's late, it's late February, early March. So I'm going to say March the 1st.
2: No. no. That would have been my birthday, but it so it wasn't then. Okay, so you're
3: um, right with the year 1985, yeah. so that's good. So uh, it was a Sunday, so it would have been the third of March.
2: It was the third of February.
3: Ooh. no, yep, <laughs> no, there's no
1: <laughs> way. That well, hang on, well, hang on. This controversy is, I'm going to Google it now because I'm, you know, we have yeah. to have we have to have probity, Dave. You've come on our podcast, you can't start well, spreading, well, spreading fake news. <laughs>
3: So I'm going to look at on what, Wikipedia. Why are googling that? Yeah. I've got to ask you, uh, Dave. Dave Tindall, this is—is is, is that why you're called Dave? Because that's Saint David's Day, isn't
2: it? Correct.
3: Yeah. Yeah, oh, and that is—that is the reason, is
2: it? Yeah, my uh, very imaginative parents thought uh, they yeah. should call me David. Well, popular name at the time.
1: I've looked it up, and according to Wikipedia, yeah. it was the third of March. I'm afraid. So I don't know what that says about unless Earth.
2: I've just copied it down wrong from the diary. The, the diary doesn't lie, so it, it I've could got, be an admin well, error.
1: I've got two words for you, Dave. Martin Bashir. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, <laughs> we will have <laughs> our own inquiry. We'll have our own inquiry. But we'll no. for now we'll draw a line under it. I got the point there, I think, because I got close to it. So okay. yeah, so, two one. So so, so yeah.
3: two two one. But still, I've still got the break of serve. So <laughs> yes. to me then.
2: Yeah, right. Here we go. Next Number one. four. Number four. Yep. Steve Davis won the Larder Snooker Classic by beating Bill Werbenek at 9-5 in the final. Um, five days later, I got my best score of 46,000 on Defender, which is a very Steve Davis <laughs> um, thing. And I read my Steve Davis coaching manual. So this was you know, total... Immersion. Fanatic.
1: Immersion in yeah. the Davis field. And
2: then um, later that month... Cliff Thorburn beat Ray Reardon in the final of the Benson Hedges snooker tournament. I had an eye infection, and I got to stage seven of Pac-Man.
3: A busy year. This, this is A just, busy year. You know, Dave, Dave, I have to say, I have done face-to-face interviews with Pele, Arnold Palmer, Stephen Hendry, but you know, this, this is the highlight of my, of my interviewing career. <laughs> this, this, this is just amazing. So, so Steve Davis beat Bill Werbeck to win the ladder classic, I'm going yeah, to go nice. big on it again, I'm, go, I'm going to make another attempt to, act, to try and get the actual date because I think the date of that would have been, hmm, could it have been the 16th of January, 1983?
2: This is like when a magician shows a card that you can not possibly have guessed. Yes, you're completely right. It's astonishing. Wow. Well,
1: I don't want to cast aspersions. I'll rephrase that. I'm going to cast aspersions. We can't see. We can't see Michael because he's on audio only. Now we don't know what he's doing away from the screen. We don't know if he's looking things up. We can't say.
3: Oh, this this is shocking <laughs> stuff. Do you exactly. know what this is? This is because you're. This is because you're from a cricket background, and it's all about ball tampering there. <laughs> Good point
1: okay three one yeah, three, exactly two.
3: yeah no that's no because you, you you know' it's you cricket people you think everyone else is up to these tricks I can assure you I'm looking at nothing here I wouldn't even know how to look these things up all right anyway three, three <laughs> one now three one
2: all right three one uh, <laughs> yeah. Dave Dave needs this yeah. one badly
1: yeah
2: it's a must win frame yeah and here we go this the very exciting entry for me here travel down to the crucible in Sheffield with dad saw Doug Mountjoy play Rex Williams, saw Terry Griffiths and John Spencer. Then two days later, was sick four times and stayed off school. Jimmy White went into a 7-2 lead over Cliff Thorburn. Patsy Fagan beat David Taylor 10-9. Then the day after that, watched pro-celebrity snooker on telly. (laughs) Then a couple of weeks later, bought Q World magazine. Oh, John D was the editor of that said, I've written, bought Q World Magazine with a giant poster of Steve Davis. Snooker Scene wow. never had that, did it?
1: No. Um,
3: sorry, I'm thinking here. Well, that, That's why Snooker Scene's still in business.
2: Yeah.
1: They used to have, yeah, yeah, I mean, Steve Davis, fair enough, but they used to have posters of all sorts of people, you know, like you, you get Peter Francisco poster or something. You've got to question who had that on the wall, but the, but that's not the question. Uh, so Terry Griffiths against John Spencer. Uh, Jimmy Whitecliffe thought, I mean, it's obviously early to mid 80s, it's sort of 80, um, this is not my answer necessarily but it's 84-ish, 83-84 I'm trying to think so obviously Davis beat White in the final I'm going to say it's 1984, it's obviously if, and if it is, it's going to be April late April, I guess Michael oh no uh, ugh,
3: yeah I'm, I, I think I think it might have been 1985
2: Mm, this is interesting. You've got the exact sort of day on some of the other ones. I I throw in a world
3: well, question and
2: um, you you yeah. miles out, nineteen eighty two.
3: Oh wow! Oh okay. So we're both wrong.
1: Now, well, hang on, eighty yes. two. So did you Terry, you said t- Terry Griffiths played John Spencer.
2: I said um, saw Doug Mountjoy play Rex Williams. Saw Terry Griffiths and John Spencer that. They
1: can't no. find each it's other. Terry lost in the first
2: round. Terry lost to
1: Willie Thornton. I've seen them walking past. Oh, I see. Okay, right. Uh, a,
2: Doug Mountjoy v Rex Williams. Surely wasn't repeated in other years.
1: No, uh, well, uh, we're not. Uh, we're not saying you you lied as a young lad, but. Patsy um,
2: yeah. Fagan beating David Taylor ten nine. Surely that was a one off.
1: Well, no one got that right, so it's still three one. So I can still tie Ooh, this. Yeah. This could be. This could be. It, it all lot depends on this next question.
2: It's in the panel there for once, I feel. Right, next one. Um, Who's this to, Michael? Yeah. Um, Okay. Jimmy... Oh, that's too easy. No, 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 it isn't actually. This is true. Well, go on, yeah, yeah, go
3: on. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Jimmy White and Alex Higgins beat Willie Thorne and Cliff Thorburn in the final of the World Doubles. And then three days later, snooker tip came off again. Watch Tommy The Who film... Liverpool beat QPR 2-0, John Walker and Ian Rush got the goals, had a 60 break, missed red with 103 on, mm. which is quite the caveat, isn't it, me mm. giving? How many, how many days later did you say? Uh, three.
3: Three days later? No, I, I don't think that's right, because I remember that Liverpool match. That was a Friday night game, I think. But anyway, so, well, you unless the doubles finished midweek, but... Nil. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so um, I am going to I'm going to try for the actual date again. So I'm going to say the 16th of December, 1984. This is a really astonishing.
2: How would you know that?
3: <laughs> Who doesn't know that? Well, according to Dave, I'm looking it all up. Now listen,
1: this is only scratching the surface. Believe me, there's 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 people in, in sort of American sort of facilities who've been studying him for years. But uh, <laughs> so I think this is this is I'm playing for pride. Uh with the last, now, yeah. With the last question, um, the, I, the sort of the way I look at it is there's no one still listening, so it, no one actually knows. Yeah, so that's fair.
2: Yeah. I think I've killed your audience. Oh, they will.
1: <laughs> but anyway, last question.
2: Yeah, last question. Okay. Tony Knowles and Joe Johnson, a 250-1 to I See, my early love of betting is showing itself there, logging um, the big shop through to the final of the PPT, <laughs> Rackets Professional Players Tournament. Also wow. that day, that day, watched to give us a break and mum and dad had new Everest double-glazed window put in.
3: <laughs> Everest, who, of course, it? later became sponsors of the World Match Play. They did. Yeah. They did. Um,
1: Yeah, they they enjoyed plenty of frames. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Two two days
3: later,
2: two days later, start of State Express Team Classic at Snooker. Then four days after that, booked tickets for Alex Higgins versus Jimmy White at Whitehaven Sports Centre. Read Steve Davis' frame and fortune book. Wow. Well, all sorts of cultural references there.
1: I think. Yeah, I think Tony Knowles. It was eighty-three. I think when he won that tournament. Um, mm. so so and I think it was early season um, at a guess, and it, and it is literally a guess it's either late September or early October, so I'm going to say end of September.
2: October the 20th.
1: Well, okay,
2: a, a very good effort.
1: <laughs> I'm going to give myself half a point for that. I've got the year. I'll give myself a whole point. that,
3: that, that, of, that of course was um, a very rare instance, certainly in those days, of a ranking event that wasn't actually shown on television.
1: Yes, and also it proved that Joe didn't come from absolutely nowhere because I think it was nine eight in the final up to Knowles, so yeah. he'd been in a final. Yeah. So the final score, I'm saying, is four two. Not to me, um, but, yeah. but
2: there's a, there's a chance here that these. Pro, I've got a list of profiles that were in my oh yeah, diaries, yeah 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 um, and there's six of these, so you could you could actually win still. Let's continue then. What all goes well? Yeah, let's continue. <laughs> Hang on <laughs> a minute, what's all this? No, this
1: is, this is a, this is an extra. As
2: if there's yeah, a bonus,
1: as if we haven't given people enough already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: for, from 1984 to 1986, I got pop black diaries, which were obviously a big thing at the time, although no one else in the world could remember them. And they had uh, like page profiles of the stars of the day. They were little right. snippets. Uh, right. I've jotted down some of the ones that um, sort of caught my eye. Mm. So, name this snooker player. Um, Dave. So has,
3: who's going first then? But Dave had the last one, so I, okay. I,
2: I get first. Yeah. Right. Okay, Michael. This player, his hobbies include jazz, reggae, disco dancing, and tennis. <laughs> My God.
3: Jazz, reggae, disco dancing, tennis. Quite the all round, isn't he? Tony Knowles. Oh, I thought you had it. Tony
2: Mio. Oh. There we go. Okay. Right. Chance for Dave. And he, he's. I'm reading these in order. So Dave's got an easy one here. This player has appeared on Pro Celebrity Golf and the Paul Daniels Magic Show. How's that an that easy one? His, <laughs> that was in his bio. How's that an easy? I think one? I know the answer. Well, hang on. may I have appeared on Paul Daniels? Surely.
1: I mean, I go. And this is not. I'm not answering yet. But I'm just thinking out loud. I go immediately to someone like Dennis, who obviously Dennis Taylor was on everything. But there's also. Ray Reardon could have been on there. It's that one of those sort of... It's a, big, it's a big gun, isn't it? I'm going to say...
2: Yeah.
1: I'm going to say Dennis Taylor. Ray Reardon. Oh! What a, uh, what a shame. What a shame. Hang on,
3: hang on. Do, 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 we, do, do they not pass over still? Uh, no. Well, from now on, they will. Oh, 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 on they oh, it's, yeah, I wasn't going to say Ray Reardon. I was actually going to guess Cliff Thorburn, so I wouldn't no. have got it anyway. But
1: yeah.
3: Well, I wouldn't have got huh? Tony Mayo either. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, so we'll pass them over from here on. So back to okay. me. It's so almost yeah. as
1: if we're just making it up as we go along, isn't
2: it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michael, um, yes. this player has his own fan club, and his hobbies include swimming, listening to music, and reading.
3: <laughs> reading? A snooker yeah. player? Wow. Yeah. wow. Um, swimming, listening to music, reading... And he has his own fan club. I'm, got, I'm, I'm actually going to guess. I'm going to make the same guess again. I'm going to say Tony Knowles.
2: No, David Taylor. What? David <laughs> Taylor. The
3: David Taylor fan club. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Well, I want to. I'm saying now. I want to because we have a niche audience. If anyone was ever in the David Taylor fan club, that's oh, yeah. all. I, that's all I want to know about now. That's all I want to know. About.
2: Yeah. Maybe when he. He commented, did a co-commentary on Steve Davis's Ladder Classic Maximum. That got him a, yeah. a, a sort, of, sort of fan club. Maybe, maybe, him
1: maybe, maybe people thought the Silver Fox fan club was something different. I don't know. But uh, anyway. yeah. <laughs>
3: St- Steve Davis, actually, what, one of the greatest sort of snooker off-table stories ever is told by Steve Davis about David Taylor. But I couldn't possibly tell it on here because... Oh. Uh, Okay. Well, probably end up in court. So. Well there we are. We'll anyway, will come back to that another time. Well maybe not. But anyway, anyway so so yeah, back over to
2: Dave. Um, you'll have I'll have to be I'll have to be reasonable here and say you won't. It's not who you would guess. But this one, this player jogs to keep fit, a habit he inherited from Eddie Charlton.
3: Jogs <laughs> By Eddie Charlton Jr. Jogs to keep fit. Well, I think I might know this. So, do, do pass now. it over to me yeah. if he doesn't get okay.
1: it. Jogs to keep fit. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the grind. I'm going to say Cliff Thorburn for that.
2: No, is it Jimmy? No, it's um, <laughs> astonishingly Dennis Taylor. I don't know whether this was a joke, an in joke from the Pot Black he's never Diary been, people. He's never
1: been yeah. jogging, has he? He's never been jogging.
2: No, <laughs> never. But it's there.
3: Yeah, it's there. That claim is back. That claim is just not yeah, a sir.
2: runner. <laughs> um, right, Uh Penultimate one. So it's still four two. Then I
1: think. There, so does anyone? Needs, does anyone know? Does anyone care? Go on.
2: Continue. Dave needs both these. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this player. Yeah. Hobbies include golf, tennis, and squash. He represented the ball players in the Super Teams television series, which was kind of oh, kind no. of like uh, the superstars, but a team version. Yeah. <laughs> So he was one of the ball players along with people like Jahangir Khan and um, Phil Kenyon. Not the Phil Kenyon is a putting Mm -hmm. coach. I think the one who's a badminton player or squash player. Right. Golf, tennis and squash. He represented the ball players in the Super Team Television
3: Series. Okay. So there are only certain people you could really have put into that. Uh, golf, tennis, and squash. I really don't know. I really don't know who to say. Um, so somebody who would have been quite young and, and reasonably fit. That doesn't really apply to anyone from the eighties era, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm John Virgo.
1: <laughs> well, I'm guessing that's wrong. I'm going to go. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go back to the one we've already had three times. Tony Knowles.
2: Tony Knowles is correct.
1: Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh. that's
0: so on. It's on a
1: knife edge. The whole thing is, is on a knife edge. Yeah. And, and it, it comes down to this question. Can I force the draw?
0: I, I've, not find th-
2: find th- I've, not, I've not thought of a respotted can I,
3: can I, quiz question yeah. <laughs> either. Can I just declare at this stage, you know, back to, you know, I know you're both cricket people again. Anyway, <laughs> go on.
2: Yeah, this will have to be like sort of... Um, The league thing where you'll just get a draw rather than a decider. Right. Final player likes Lager, Chinese food, and collecting Elvis Presley recordings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, here we are. Uh, Lager. Run those again Lager,
2: Chinese food, and collecting Elvis records.
3: Sounds like Dominic Dale, but he wasn't around in those days. I want to have a go with this if Dave doesn't get it. Well, the obvious lager one. We know who, who was famous
1: for lager, but I don't know whether Bill was yeah. was into Elvis or not. Um, wow, this is uh, genuinely exciting, isn't it? We're we're down here to the wire, and I've got to try and guess a snooker player from lager, Chinese food, and Elvis Presley. Um, hmm. and we're talking, I'm really
2: tempted to give you a clue. No, I didn't get no, any clue. Won't. I
1: yeah. will say. I'm going to
3: say Cliff Thorburn.
2: Michael, do you want to oh. guess? Just to sort of keep it.
3: Well, so is it so is it not Cliff Thorburn?
2: Well, I'm just trying to create drama, by.
3: <laughs> well, you're doing well. You're doing well. Well, you'll be taking over from us doing this next week. Uh, lager, Chinese food, and collecting Elvis Presley records. Okay, so probably someone you know who was who'd been around in, in the Elvis era. Uh, was it Eddie? Eddie Charlton?
2: No, my clue was gonna be um, obviously sounds like a no frills type of guy, which is kind of ironic given what he wore. Doug Mountjoy. Wow. Wow. Mm, there we yes. go. There we go. Like a Chinese
3: person. <laughs> oh, so do you want to add any extra rounds just to
1: give Dave another chance? <laughs> no, I think I, I think I think we, I don't know what the score was. It four three in the end. It must have been yeah, four, four three. Four three. Four,
3: well, three, yeah. I think
1: yeah. I think in in many ways snooker was the winner there, uh, <laughs> mm. or not least our listeners. But that's but that's not it because, of course, as you know, Dave is a regular listener. We've had um, we, we there was mention the other week of Bernard Bennett on this podcast, and we've had a flood of emails too actually about him this week. So the, the people are still keen to talk about Bernard Bennett. And John Bennett has written in, Okay, he he said, he said, you recently mentioned Bernard Bennett on the podcast and talk of unsuccessful players, of which there were many back in the era. It appeared at the time almost as if you could turn pro if you made your living from snooker, but not necessarily by playing. For example, owning a club like Bernard Bennett, Bert DeMarco and David Greaves, or journalism like Clive Everton. I know these guys were decent players long before they got accepted into the professional game, as it was a bit of a closed shop. It reminded me of my snooker-related nickname. Which I'm still sometimes called. It wasn't very complimentary, but I like to think it was meant of a, as a bit of fun, and with at least a bit of affection. His nickname was Bernard, or, or in full, Bernard Bennett Nil. I have to also say I could have been likened to my other snooker playing namesake, Mark Bennett, as we both shared a like for a few alcoholic, a few alcoholic beverages back in the day. No offence, Mark. And he signs off, John Bennett Nil. And Dr. Tim Sandal has also written in on this subject. He said, "My understanding with Bernard Bennett." He was one of the founding members of the return to World Championship tournament play. According to Clive Everton's Guinness World of Snooker book 1981, Bennett was proprietor of the Castle Club in Southampton and turned professional in order to allow the event to happen, which was won by John Spencer. Bennett had no illusions of being a great player, but he helped to promote the game. He also hosted many tournaments at his Castle Club snooker centre, which added to the number of events during the 70s when the calendar was often patchy. Alex Higgins beat John Spencer to win the 1975 event Spencer beat Higgins to win in 1976. So it turns out Bernard Bennett basically saved snooker.
3: Well, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is the first podcast ever to have Bernard Bennett and Alan Bennett feature in the same episode. <laughs> Quite and also, I've, I've, I've been meaning to say this for about 20 minutes now, actually, since um, Dave, Dave has mentioned the Steve Davis poster. Just slightly off topic, but you know, this is the sort of thing that really fits in nicely here. A couple of years ago, on YouTube, I came across some ads on RTE, which is the Irish National Broadcaster, from around uh, about 1984, I think it was. And they were, there was an advert for the RTE Guide, which is the Irish equivalent of the Radio Times. And they were going through all the things that were in it uh, in, in that, that, that week's issue. And the, the guy doing the voiceover said, with a completely straight face, full colour pin-up of Hilda Ogden. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Judd
1: Trump's, no. listen, Judd Trump's listening to this, thinking this is every, <laughs> everything that is wrong with snooker. I'm going to update it, though. I'm going to, I'm going to get a bit more up to date. I'm going to mention Pat Houlihan, OK? Hard. Pat Houlihan. Okay. Is that more up to date? Luke Williams writes, he said, I only recently discovered your podcast and have been voraciously consuming the back catalogue. You do a great job. Perfect balance of info, insight, seriousness and humour. Many years ago, when I was a young snooker-mad writer making my way as a sports journalist, I co-wrote a snooker book called Masters of the Bays with my friend and fellow writer, Paul Gadsby. Having oh, re- yeah. Having recently... Paul Gadsby used to work for Teletext. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we know Paul. Yeah, yeah. We know yeah. Paul, yeah. Having recently yeah. reread three of my favourite old snooker books, including Pocket Money, The Cruel Game, and Clive's Fast and *Cueball Wizards, as well as my favourite player bio, Behind the White Ball by Jimmy White, I thought an interesting discussion... Might be what your favourite snooker tomes are," he says. "No need to mention Masters of the Bays." I see what you've done there, Luke. Uh, well, we have had sort of that discussion in the past. We we did a sort of book mm. book a week, and we did mention those books. But he says, "Finally, I'm dipping my toe back into snooker writing now after mainly working in boxing for the last ten years." I'm at work on a long on a on a long. I am at work. On the research on a research biography of Patsy Houlihan, which I've been planning and researching on and off since I wrote an article, a Snooker Scene, back in two thousand and seven after his death. If you are in any way able to mention on your podcast the fact that I would love to speak to anyone who ever played or met Patsy, I'd be very grateful. If you're able to do this, feel free to give my email address out. So anyone who's, who knew Patsy Houlihan, played him, if you can, if you want to contribute, then Luke's email address, okay, is lgw007 at yahoo.com. That's lgw007 at yahoo.com. So happy to do that, Luke. I remember the book. It was very good. It was about... Each chapter was about a different, really world, good. About a different world champion. There was a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um, I'm sure you can still get it at various uh, various Amazon-style uh, websites. And uh, yeah, look look, at, look forward to that. I remember Bill King, Mark's dad, telling me he thought Pat Huller, who he knew, was the best player he's ever seen. Um, he was a player who basically came from quite a sort of, um, what's the word, uh, lively background, shall we say. And because of that, his face didn't fit, and he wasn't allowed to turn pro for years. Um, so he never got a chance And his to- best days
3: were behind him yeah. like, by the time he, he did turn pro.
1: He never got a chance to play in his prime. He, I think he did play at the Crucible, and he was also in number one, the Bob Geldof film, of which we mentioned before. Yes. Uh, but yeah, and- so
3: anyway, happy to do that, Luke. Go on. I was just going to say, it all ties in rather neatly with the fact that uh, the other day he was on with us this week, because... We were talking last year, weren't we, about sort of fantasy tournaments and that. And I was recalling how i had started one with my cousin, which was a bit too ambitious. We, we had a field of 64, so we <laughs> never got it finished before I had to go home again. But I remember saying this on the podcast last year that he um, told me a few weeks later he had finished out the tournament on his own. It was won by uh, Roger Bales. And as far as I remember, I think Patsy Houlihan was the runner-up. <laughs> so he has been mentioned on the podcast before. Something so here th- is something- the truth. Something tells me that well, won't make the book. That won't make the book. No, no, better. indeed. Well, this might. <laughs> this, this might. This this might, because here's the trivia question of the year. What does Patsy Houlihan have in common with Nikolai Ceaușescu's father? <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know much about Nikolai Chachescu's father. Nikolai Chachescu was assassinated, on, well, not assassinated, but he was executed. Um, yeah, taken, t- t- yeah, taken round the back and shot on Christmas Day, 1989.
3: Uh, it was, yeah. I remember seeing the news flash coming on after um, clockwise on BBC One on Christmas Night. But anyway. Once again, um, hello, well, hello, hello to Judd. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the podcast has turned into one big backlash against Judd's comments. But anyway, um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, so yeah, Pat, yeah. Pat, Patsy Hulan and Nikolai Ceaușescu's father, what they have in common is that they both have two children with the same first name, because <laughs> when, when Nikolai Ceaușescu was born, um, his mother said to his father, what will we call him? And his father, who apparently sort of, you know, ruled quite sternly in the house, which, you know, psychologists would find quite interesting, uh, said, let's call him Nikolai, forgetting that he already had a son called Nikolai because he was drunk. So there ended up being being two two Nikolais in the same family. So what's that got to do with Patsy Hoolahan You might say. Well, he had two children who were both called Patsy, one and one of them, uh, one of each sex. So they became known as Patsy Boy and Patsy Girl. You don't get this anywhere else. See, aren't, you,
1: aren't you glad you came on, Dave? After all that, really?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> I am. Um, I just as a you you lot love a love a coincidence. My. Um, yeah. My first job in journalism was on teletext. So
3: I started. Oh, oh mine, mine too, mine too. My, my really? first job was in uh, was in the Irish teletext. Yeah. Right. Well, you
1: see, wow. again, without, without wishing to, well, let's turn the clock back. He's not, it's not been turned forward, has it? <laughs> there was a great frisson about waiting for that page to update. You know, with no internet, if you were trying to find out the score, and it wasn't necessarily live on TV, you know, just. Page, uh, page 387, it always seemed to be on CFAX, but just re- refresh the page. Has it changed? No. And of course, I, I, I learnt years later, the main reason is the people that, from, the, from the press room who rang the scores in were doing other things. So <laughs> the match was probably over. It was still like 4-2. Um, Paul, Yeah, Paul, uh, he, he now writes novels, I believe. So he's uh, doing well for himself. Well, but, Paul Gatsby? Uh, yeah, but I'm going to attempt now to, to drag this into the present day because, Dave, you, you made the point you were, we've heard from your diaries, you are a big snooker fan of the 80s, drifted away, have sort of drifted back. So, how do you sort of see Stuka now um, compared to the so-called good old days? Are you, you know, are you watching a lot of it? Are you into it again, or, or, and what does it need to do to sort of keep your attention? Do you think?
2: I'm absolutely hooked again. Absolutely hooked. Um, Obviously, again, learning about what I missed in my coma years, where I don't know, you know, it seemed (laughs) there were there were times like it is Dallas with balls, there was a time when. There are hardly any events going, and now it's virtually every week. I was, I was almost relieved to have a break. Now, after the Worlds, it was like I need to sort of regroup a little bit and think about other stuff. But, yeah, most tournaments, I'm just watching them all the time. I can't get enough of it. And, it, you know, it's I've, I've got the Eurosport app and everything, and I, I just watch an awful lot and so many good characters. Obviously, you get that longevity with a class of 92, a thing I didn't know anything about until... <laughs> until um, as a phrase, again, until maybe last year. Um, I, most of my comers years, I think, were like spent... It was all about Ronnie. I I, I loved Ronnie because that's sort of sportsman I would, you know, style and everything. As soon as he went out of the World Championships, I no interest anymore. So I would keep up. That was the only tournament I probably had half an idea what was going on. Um, but now... Yeah, I'm just hooked. And obviously playing in the Northern Snooker Centre, I see Peter Lyons, Oliver Lyons, David Grace down there. So it's all sort of built this huge sort of scene again in my head. So, yeah, it, it's. I'd love to be more involved somehow, but obviously I'm, so I, I do a lot of golf and football. But I, I think the snooker world is a great place to be. I think there's lots of great things going on, young and old.
3: And who... And there was... Um... Another slightly more famous diarist, Adrian Mole, uh, had a book, didn't he? The Cappuccino Years. So maybe there could be Dave Tindall, The Coma Years, because you seem to have coined that phrase. Tell you write me, about what you were doing when you were outside of the game.
1: Tell me this, then. so is, is Ronnie still your favourite player now or are you sort of developed to the other favourites?
2: No, so it's it definitely still Ronnie. So I've always kept an eye on him. Uh, my girlfriend bought me his book Running a few years ago and then me and Lucy went to see... Um, she's a big Ronnie fan for slightly different reasons than I am, possibly. Um, so we got tickets. I couldn't believe we got tickets to see him at the World Championship this year because, I don't know, even with COVID and people having a reason not to go, I still thought he would be sold out within minutes, but we managed to get to get seats. So we went to that evening session where he reeled off three century breaks in a row. So that, to me, that was... That was, you know, like a bucket list thing, seeing a genius do something like that. I mean, shame he didn't win, but I'd watched all of it the year before when he won. So, yeah, back to sort of golf. It is a bit like golf in that, you know, Phil Mickelson's just won the PGA. Tiger won the Masters a couple of years ago. You, you've still got these, unlike football, where it's a more of a revolving door, you've got these great players that you can cling on to, but also... You know, I'm a big fan of Judd. I like Jack Lasowski a lot. So, it's just great. It's great.
1: That's good to hear. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up shortly. Uh, thank you for coming on, first of all.
2: Well, it, thank you very if much. You've Be value
1: for money, <laughs>
2: <laughs> justified the non fee. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, and thank you for all your contributions as well during the year. Um, you know, it's kept us going. I mean, the, the, those those are in the days where basically you the sort of the actual audio quality was no good, but hopefully the 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 actual quality of the chat was half decent and you've certainly contributed to that. And you're going to stay a snooker fan clearly you've got the you've got the bug back.
2: Absolutely got the bug back and um, I went to non-snooker center the other day after not being there for nine months. So I still got this idea that one day I will make a hundred break. One day so I I don't know what'll happen. It's, it's like when you, if you, to me, that's the Everest. What do you do if you've climbed Everest? Then it's currently eighty-three, my best. So it's sort of there. Yeah, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's within reach, but part of me doesn't is want that to. All, work. Is
3: that on the six? Is that on the six-foot table or, no, or full that's, that's at
2: the Northern Snow Centre.
3: Oh, that's at the Northern, right? Very good.
1: Okay, well, next week uh, I'll be it, a slight change of pace. I'll be interviewing Steve Dawson, who's the new chairman of Will Snooker Tour. So it may be a slight guest. Yeah, it might be a slightly different tone, but we'll see if it's as entertaining. But Dave, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun, as I, as I knew it would be, and you answered the call. Um, just to say, we are members of the Sports Social Network. They've got lots of other great podcasts. Check them out. You can email us snookerscenepodcast at mail dot com. That's snookerscenepodcast at mail.com. Dave, would you like to sign off, as we always do, by saying goodbye-bye? You don't have to.
2: <laughs> well, can I just say thank you ever so much for having me on. It's incredible to think that I've stumbled across this podcast. Um, listened to the first one, I thought, me. I've got this thing about, I like people who are really good at their jobs, which sounds really obvious, but I encounter so many people who just aren't, who are faking it. But as soon as I listen to you and Michael thought, blimey, these, these guys are really entertaining, and they've got incredible knowledge. What you know, I was absolutely hooked on this podcast, and it's been a real theme. You know, you think of those sort of lockdown days, my whole sort of – it was like a sort of framework for me. I used to go and listen to the, all the old editions on my walks. It just became part of my life, and um, hopefully it shall stay that way. That's, um, very, kind, that's, very,
1: that's very kind of you. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. So do, you want to do do you want to do the sign-off?
2: Well, I'll
0: do my goodbye, bye-bye. Goodbye-bye. See you next week, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 18 plus.